Um, for those of you that don't know me, um, my name is Megan, and I'll be bringing the word tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really excited. This is only my second time. Um, and I'm especially excited because my best friend is here from out of town, from Canada. Um, so make sure to meet Haley tonight. Um, she's the greatest. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so something you may or may not know about me is that I struggled a lot with my health when I was in high school. It all kind of led up to this moment of my senior year when I had an MRI and they found a tumor that was pressing up against my brain stem called an acoustic neuroma. And um, as some of you may know, we just wrapped up an eight-week series called One Another, talking about how tricky and how beautiful church family can be. I had never felt so surrounded and loved by my church family, but I also struggled a lot. People would not stop praying for the tumor to miraculously disappear. Uh, people would just come up to me, and they would put their hand on my forehead, and they would shout, Tumor, die in Jesus' name! <laughs> and I would be like, Thank you so much. <laughs> and I struggled with these prayers because while they were prayed out of love for me and faith in Jesus, um, this was a prayer I knew wouldn't be answered the way that they desired. I knew from the Lord that this was a journey I needed to walk out myself. So each tumor die in Jesus' name was a disappointing reminder of what was to come. And six months later, I found myself sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor of a school auditorium with a 14-year-old girl. We had just met, and we were talking about the idea of God being a healer. And she revealed to me that she believed God could heal prayers asking for healing, or God could answer prayers asking for healing, just not for anyone that she loved. And I was like, why would you say something like that? Like, why would you believe that? And her response took the breath right out of me. Her mom had died of cancer the year before. Her doubt and her disappointment was understandable. Of any prayer that God should have answered the way she asked, it should have been that one, right? You may wonder what this has to do with anything. Well, over the next four weeks, we're going to be in a series called Prayer Life, exploring the idea that adding prayer to our daily lives can result in seeing life added to our daily prayers. And I know that some of us can relate to those stories I just told. Without show of hands, have you ever felt like prayer is a place you go to be disappointed? Has receiving prayer ever felt like a blaring reminder of how your situation is disappointing you? Have you ever felt like you prayed and you just see lack of movement after lack of movement, and that's disappointing. Have you ever padded your prayers to give God an out um, so your friend wouldn't end up disappointed? It can be a bigger situation like the one I just shared or something smaller. I remember being 13 and I prayed to find a lost item. And after I couldn't find it immediately, I said to God, see, I knew you wouldn't help me. I was ready to be disappointed by God at 13 years old. Does that feel shameful, wrong, or uncomfortable to admit? Well, we aren't alone. There's someone in the Bible that may have felt the way you felt. He was a missionary and a church leader named Paul. And in a letter to a church, he said this, 
He said that he was given a thorn in his side from Satan to torment him. He was given an acoustic neuroma. He was given an alcoholic father. He was given a lost job. He prayed three times for its removal. That's where we pick up in a book in the Bible called 2 Corinthians. He said, I, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. Not the answer he would have chosen, right? Here's a man who's made his whole life the Lord's work. He's probably expecting the Lord to be like, yeah, here, let me take that, you know? But the Lord says, I'm going to leave that thorn there, that tumor there, that lost job there, because I'm going to use that. I'm going to bring beauty out of that. It's going to be hard, but I'll be there. So this leaves Paul with a choice, right? He can become bitter. He can become angry. Nobody would blame him. He could feel betrayed by God. Or he could undergo an attitude shift because he has his answer. The thorn's not going anywhere. He needs to change his prayer. He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But maybe you're not connecting with that. Maybe you're still waiting on your answer. You don't have yours like Paul does. There is a lady in the Old Testament, the older part of the Bible, that might speak to you. Her name was Hannah, and she was one of her husband's two wives. And back in that day, um, like having children, especially sons, kind of equated to your worth as a woman, which we won't get into. But <laughs> uh, at this time, her husband's other wife had born children, but she went barren year after year after year after year. It even said that the other wife teased and tormented her and rubbed it in her face that she couldn't bear children, but she had, you know, and it was just like the biggest struggle in Hannah's life. Like it was safe to say she was beyond disappointed at this point. Her family took a trip to the temple and she snuck off by herself. This is where we pick up in a section of the Bible called 1 Samuel. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget me, but give me a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but no sound was coming out. And there was this guy working at the temple named Eli, and he thought she was drunk. <laughs> and he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And she says, not so, my Lord. I am a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Um, and Eli tells her to go in peace, and he says, I hope the Lord gives you what you want. And that very night, she became pregnant with a son who she called Samuel because I asked the Lord for him, is what that name means. Um, and see, the thing that I want to point out about that story is that she knew the Lord wasn't scared of her disappointment. It didn't make him upset or hurt his feelings or make him feel like she didn't trust him. 
Um, he just loved that she took it to him, you know? And I'm sure that this wasn't the first time she prayed like that. So I don't know why this was the time that changed things. I don't think there was like a magic recipe. But the key is that Hannah didn't get bitter and she didn't give up. Maybe the Lord wanted to use her situation to inspire Eli. Or maybe there's something else. I don't pretend to know. But the Lord was with Hannah in her waiting and he was faithful to show up at the right time. And she was faithful to persist in her prayers. Um, And on the subject of prayer, uh, we're going to talk about Jesus, who's the star of the show. (laughs) Uh, When he was asked by his disciples, teach us to pray, he responded and he said, this then is how you should pray. And this is in the book of Matthew in the Bible. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to emphasize that your will be done part. And you might say, well, that's easy for Jesus to say, right? His will was probably God's will. Like he probably knew what he was asking for at this point. But later we see him praying in the days leading up to his brutal death on the cross, saying, take this cup from me, meaning take this suffering from me. I'm beyond disappointed that this is what lays before me. But at the same time, he prays, if there isn't another way, not my will, but yours. And that surrender, that trust that God is good and that he's all-powerful and that he knows what is best is what I want to emphasize. Um, God will always answer our prayers within the context of his good and sovereign, meaning like all-powerful, will. And sometimes it's a not yet. Sometimes it's a I have something better. And sometimes it's a yes. And that's where the struggle and the wrestle lies, right? (laughs) Um, But I want to encourage you today to look inside of yourself. Do you find yourself in the position of Paul? If you have your answer to your prayer and it's not the one you wanted to hear and you're now faced with a choice, you can become bitter or you can change your prayer. I want you to find that attitude shift that Paul had. I know it wasn't easy for him, so that's not an easy thing to ask you to do. Um, But I'm sure there were days that Paul had to pour out his disappointment and rely on the Lord so intimately. But that beautiful part is that Paul was like a missionary. He was in ministry, and he was able to relate to people that were in ongoing pain. There was just this level of depth that it added to his ministry. And how powerful is that for us when our disappointing situations require us to rely on the Lord and we're able to draw out of that and encourage others and share with others where our strength comes from. And maybe you don't have your answer yet and you're in Hannah's position and you don't have your answer and you desire movement in a situation. Let the Lord have it. Um, Hannah prayed with such anguish that she appeared drunk. When is the last time that any of us have ever done that? I don't think I have. (laughs) He isn't scared of our emotion, our hurt, our fear, our disappointment. It doesn't make him think less of us. It just brings him closer to us. So let's give it to him. He is there in the waiting, and an answer is coming. We can't give up, and we can't hold back. 
And in all situations, let's take the posture of surrender that Jesus adopted. He's our most ultimate example. Praying that the Lord's will be done above all else because it's better. Now, I don't know why the Lord makes some tumors disappear, uses doctors to remove others, and some people even die from them. I don't know why he removes some thorns, leaves others. I don't know why some ladies get pregnant, others don't. All I know is that God will always answer our prayers within the context of his good and sovereign will. And I know that is extremely hard to hear, staring down the barrel of disappointment after disappointment. But doesn't it also bring peace? It's a wrestle, you guys, I know it. But I can tell you from my own experience with that tumor, if I had the choice before that journey, I would have chosen for the Lord to take it away with one of those prayers, you know? No surgery, no ER visits, no meningitis, no <laughs> anything that I had to walk through. But on the other side, if the Lord removed it on the spot, I wouldn't know how loved I am by my community. They made a prayer group for me on Facebook that my mom would read for me every morning. And my sister, who isn't following the Lord right now, she messaged me and said that she was overwhelmed by the support my church family was showing me. And that alone was worth the whole journey for me. I can also tell you that my friend Haley wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet without that surgery. And we wouldn't have the opportunity to be best friends and that alone was worth the whole journey for me. I can tell you, without the surgery leaving me with a deaf ear, I wouldn't be as empathetic. I wouldn't be as good of an advocate for myself. I wouldn't be as resilient. And that alone was worth the whole journey for me. And you know what, you guys? I don't think I'm the only one that came out of the other side changed for the better. I think there were ripples. The Lord saw my disappointment in those prayer times. He got into the pit and he sat with me. He held me and he spoke over me. I have something better. And I know that some of your stories aren't my story and we don't always get to see those gems that come out of the really hard times. And I'm so aware of that. And some of us are in Paul's position and we didn't get our way. Some of us are in Hannah's and we've been waiting for years and years. But we can rest in the fact that God had a plan and a purpose for each of those situations, just like he does for all of ours. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.